You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. It is The Big Show in the morning. George Russick, Matty Rose, except Russick will be back on Wednesday. Promise? Hopefully. <laughs> That's Patty Dumas sitting across from me today. We got GVP, Gary Vanderplug, and Alex Brody. Running the board today. Thank you, gents. Yes, sir. Mm. Efforting to hook up with Charles Davis. I really want to ask him how he feels about the national title game tonight. CBS Sports NFL analyst. Sure. Tennessee, he went to Tennessee and Georgia's playing in it. How much hate does he have for Georgia tonight? That's what I want to know. How much of a TCU fan is he? I'm a big Horn Frogs guy right now. Hell yeah. Let's go, TCU. Horn Frogs. Horn Frogs. It's horned up. Horned up. They use the hypno hypnotoad from uh, Futurama as they're like no. this intro video. Really? And he's like a bunch of memes. I love the And like it starts with like a hypno the hypnotoad and it's like just like zones everything and it's all purple. Really? And stuff. Yeah. It's like go YouTube. Is it rowdy in TCU? Is oh, that what you're telling me? Fort Worth. They don't want to party down at Texas Christian University. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? Ladinia Tomlinson went to TCU. Andy Dalton went to TCU. Uh, Former CFL great Travis Lule with TCU. <laughs> Andy Dalton. Uh, hey. LT. LT, man. Um, I actually saw a highlight video of him the other day. LT slide. That just bounced up on Twitter. Yeah. And. That was a monster. It was. Oh, my God. Not really fair what he in, was in the, doing. In the days of those, like, in the late, in the early 2000s, mid to early 2000s, where it was just they're all running back. Sean Alexander, yeah. Danian Tomlinson. Uh, and he could do it all. Uh, Juke moving open space, no problem. Priest right, Holmes. Right up the middle oh with my guys God. draped all over him, yeah. no problem. No. Open space, turn on the afterburners, no problem. All the greats. Unbelievable. Um, He was very good and apparently a TCU great. So mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. You dialed in, you're going to be watching that one? Oh, yeah. I'll be mm-hmm. definitely watching. Six o'clock watch. start, something six, like that? A little after six o'clock. Got a whole bunch of these. Got the Manning cast broadcast. There'll be a Manning cast really? broadcast okay, of it as well. Maybe I'm actually going to watch that yeah, then. So now be, I'm intrigued. It'll be pretty fun. Now you've got me. Now I'm hooked. <laughs> um, we were going to chat with Charles Davis, but having a little bit of trouble hooking up with him. So what we were going to do, mm. didn't have time to get to all your NFL stuff during the morning report. Yeah. So why don't we just rehash it now, and then we can still ask Charles about it if we're able to get him on today, or sure. maybe we'll have to chat with him tomorrow. We'll figure it out. How okay. about that? Yeah. All right, perfect. Well, how about we play some music, too? Yeah, my NFL primetime? Uh, yeah, we, we yelled it in the break. <laughs> Someone wasn't paying attention. <laughs> There it is. There we go. All right, off you go. Tell us about the NFL weekend that was. Yeah, man. Week 18, regular season finale around the NFL. Going to do some uh, runaround of the games that mattered. And uh, no better place to start than in Buffalo, where it was the epicenter of all the DeMar Hamlin support from around the league yesterday. And I don't know if you saw this, Maddie, to open that game. I got emotional. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody in that stadium got emotional. Uh, Way to start the game between Buffalo and New England run away as New England decided to defer after winning the toss. And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield and down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. Oh, you just said this is storybook. This is almost fate. That was fate, Tony. Naheem Hines takes it 96 yards to open the game. With Damar Hamlin tweeting, watching from the hospital bed in Cincinnati. OMFG, I believe, was what he tweeted. 
three months, three days since last time the there's, bills. There's going to be some threes here in this yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the simple scenario here in this game was New England win and you're in. And they played scrappy. They were typical Bill Belichick coach. We're going to fight till the very end. And they were leading 17-14 midway through the third quarter. They had a 60% chance of making the postseason at this point. And then they had to kick off again to the Buffalo Bills. And here comes Hines again. Oh, my goodness. Can he do it twice? Is this for real? Can you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. 101 yards. Do you believe it? No, it's pretty close, Jim. It's pretty close. Yeah, uh, Pats would never lead again. Bills win 35-23, clinching this two seed. Now about this for fate. Hines opening kick return, like you said, was the first one for the Bills in three seasons, three months, and three years. Josh Allen threw for three touchdowns, and the defense picked off Mac Jones three times. Yeah, there was Sports. a lot of threes. Sports, bro, rates itself. Like, Pretty crazy Come on, stuff. It's, it's hard. Like Jesus, I. Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, it was pretty special to yeah. see. And um, where we were last Monday night when I had to do this show with Logo last uh, Tuesday, talking about that Demar Hamlin stuff. Yeah, and we don't know what the hell is going to happen with him. To this being so much, yeah, to see so much like progression, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy that, yeah. Miami, and they don't have to play. Away from Buffalo. They don't have to play in a stadium that has a like opposing team. They'll either play in Buffalo for the first two and then play Kansas City in a neutral site for the AFC Championship. They don't have to go on the road. What's the weather like in Buffalo this week? Oh, yeah. You know, South Florida see. team coming up. Uh, maybe don't have the oh, quarterback. What's it like? TBD. That doesn't help me at all. Oh, I'll, I'll keep looking. Don't worry. You move on. All right. You give me that Buffalo forecast. I'm, I'm sure it's, I hope it's going to be chilly. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see what the Dolphins have. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if the Dolphins. I hope it's going to be chilly. Hope it's only cold. Lake affects snow. It looks like it's going to be minus two with a ten percent chance of precipitation and winds in about thirteen k. So I mean, nothing too crazy. I mean, the Dolphins had heaters on their sideline in an indoor stadium when it was fifty-five <laughs> degrees outside. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, here's here's one thing: deciding venues for games should never be decided by a coin toss. I concur. And that's what could have happened if the Ravens beat the Bengals yesterday. Baltimore starting third stringer Anthony Brown in the strategy of resting the backup Tyler Huntley just in case he's needed next week for cover for Lamar Jackson. Bengals also didn't want that coin toss messing with a home playoff game. Joe Mixon probably going to have to save that coin because a fine's coming his way after a celebration in the end zone. He doesn't care. Bengals win 27-16. Joe Burrow with the cigar in the locker room after the game. These two will do it again next weekend in Cincinnati in the wild card round. Yeah, listen. Loved watching this game. I had told you that I didn't know what to expect, obviously, with everything that had happened with the Bills and the Bengals back on Monday night. I didn't really know how I was going to gamble on the game. Still took minus seven in our picks. Mm -hmm. The Bengals were able to uh, pull it out. And granted, when you looked at that roster for the Ravens, it was like, yeah, this was it a team was, that just wanted to get healthy. And just Lamar Jackson they no, were missing. They no. were missing heaps of bodies. Yeah. Um, so definitely not really a preempt to this weekend's matchup. No, I think you're going to see a bit of a different Ravens squad for sure on Sunday, and uh, I think it would be a really good game between these two AFC North rivals. But also who day? Who day? Um, what do we got here? Uh, Steelers and Browns in Pittsburgh. Steelers needing a win 
and a Pat Patriots and Dolphins loss. Steelers do win 24-14. The Pats lost. So how about the Dolphins? What were they doing? Taking on the Jets and needing a win, and the Patriots lost to clinch a playoff spot. They've lost five straight heading into this one. Yeah, it had been a rough Ooh. go for the Finns, man. They yeah. were so good to start the year. Eight and three at a point. Tua started to get hurt, and then things kind of started to crumble a little yeah. bit. Five losses going into this matchup. Not good. Yeah, uh, game tied 6-6 late, uh, and Jason Saunders, who struggled this season, hitting only 78% of his kicks, entering this game. You needed a 50-yarder to send the Dolphins to the playoffs. 23 seconds on the clock. A win here and a Bills law, a Bills win would give the Dolphins the playoffs. It's up, and it is good! Wow, biggest kick of the year for Jason Sanders. When he comes through. With 18 seconds left, the Dolphins lead it 9-6. to six. Yeah, with Dan Marino on the sideline watching, clutch Jason Sanders wins it for the Dolphins. Whoa. They get a safety at the end, 11-6, the final score. No offensive touchdowns in that one. Doesn't matter how you win. It just matters that you win. Uh, snaps a five-game losing streak and puts Miami into the playoffs for the first time since 2016, where they also had to start a backup quarterback in that game against the Steelers. We'll see if a backup will start this week against Buffalo. Tua, his status is up in the air, uh, but uh, they're going to need him if they have any chance to beat the Bills in Buffalo. Oh, what a hmm. low-scoring game. Got the result that you needed, but like we kind of talked about, now you've got a big challenge. You've earned yourself a matchup in Buffalo yep. against the Bills, and your team might be a little banged up. They were there about a month ago, uh, played the Bills pretty good. It was a game in, in snowy conditions in Buffalo, and Miami played a pretty good game. Uh, Tua was healthy for that one. Uh, it was the last game he played. Well, actually, he did play against the Packers, but that's the game where he think, we think he got hurt and uh, missed the last uh, couple weeks of the season. So, yeah, Dolphins-Bills will go at uh, 11 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, to the uh, uh, I'm seeing the Bills already as an 11 point favorite. Yeah, uh, some lines to open up this. Uh, 49. Oh man, 49ers a 10 point favorite. Chargers point and a half. Bills 11. Vikings three. Bengals six and a half. Cowboys three point favorites. Seems about right for those type of games. I figured out two heavy lines though. Wow. That 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 Niners Seahawks one I think is going to come down a little bit more, and, may, and I think that Jaguars Chargers game could actually flip to actually Jacksonville in the end, or even just be a straight pick'em. I like the Jags. I'm rolling the Jags. Doesn't matter what. All right, as you were. Yeah. Uh, to late games now. Eagles Niners Cowboys. Uh, Eagles Niners Cowboys all enter the afternoon slate with a chance of the number one seed. Eagles with the simplest path. All they had to do was beat the Giants, and you're the one seed and the NFC East champions. Champs, well, good news. Jalen Hurts was back after missing the previous two games, and the Giants were resting virtually everyone of note. Eagles didn't have much pressure as they beat the G-Men 22-16. Shout out Kenny Galladay, first touchdown uh, with the New York Giants. He needs 74 more for a bonus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Niners worked the Cardinals 38-13. They will be at the two seed. Uh, shout out J.J. Watt from a guy that wasn't expected to make much of an impact in college to becoming a first-round pick. Next stop, Canton, Ohio, in five years' time. J.J. Watt, one of my favorite players ever. Did you see the video of him chatting with one of his teammates about hacky? Yes! Like, <laughs> what are them, the ice what shoes? Are, what are those <laughs> shoes you guys wear? <laughs> he's like, you can't be serious. We'll go skating. Yeah. And then he's well, like, they got no rinks here. Well, what? We don't have frozen water. He's like, what do you mean? We're, we'll go find a rink. What do you mean? 
Should have thrown like, we'll so. take him to a Coyotes game. I, I got a team in town. <laughs> yeah, I love that J.J. Watt is a big hockey guy. He's, he played hockey growing up. Could you imagine? J.J. Yeah. <laughs> Watt in the Could NHL? You imagine? <laughs> yeah, it's a power winger, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a shutdown blue liner, perhaps. Uh, or maybe just sticking between the pipes yeah. to call her a day. Yeah, exactly. I think he was a goalie, actually. He might have been a goalie. I'm not too sure. But yeah, J.J. Uh, Watt, great um, career. And one of the biggest questions that his teammate asked him about was, like, line changes. And that's what got me thinking about, how come the Flames are so bad at line changes? JJ Watney. How come they're so bad at it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, love JJ Watt. Why were we talking about JJ Watt? Because he played hockey and he retired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He played his last game yesterday. Into the sunset. Into the sunset. What a hulking shadow that is in the sun. My right. goodness. You got to think where, he, where he'd been if he didn't get hurt those few years there at oh, the end of his days in Houston. Only three-time defensive player of the year. Only. Only three-time guy to have more than, I believe, 20, uh, 19 sacks in the season. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Good for J.J. Watt. It was great. Uh, one more playoff spot to go in the NFC. I should say Dallas lost to the Washington, so they are now the five seed. And uh, the Niners, yes, they do, and they are the two seed. Uh, one more playoff spot to go in the NFC. Seattle taking on the Rams, needing a win and some help a little later on during Sunday night football. Rams in control throughout most of this one. Seahawks clawed their way back, and with the game tied late, Geno Smith gets popped running down the sideline by Jalen Ramsey. And what did you not, think? Not much Ramsey no. could do on that one. Uh, ball don't lie. Jason Myers <laughs> doinks it off the upright. Uh, this one needed overtime. Uh Baker Mayfield tosses, airmails it right back to Seattle, uh, giving Seattle one more shot at redemption uh, with Jason Myers. Field goal try from 32 for Myers for the win. And hope springs eternal in Seattle. A 1916 overtime win keeps Seattle very much alive. For the playoffs. Very much alive they are. Uh, so that Seattle win eliminates the Detroit Lions from postseason contention. Lame. Seattle. Lame. Lame. Yeah. Give me Dan Campbell in the playoffs. Lame. <laughs> Seattle needed Detroit to beat the Packers on Sunday night football. Win will put Green Bay into the postseason. To Lambeau we go, and the Lions did exactly what they had to do despite being eliminated 40 minutes before kickoff. And for his second straight uh, year, Played damn fine defense, or second straight game this year. Played damn fine defense, stunning the Packers. Green Bay loses a fourth quarter lead. They were up 19-16. Seattle's the seventh seed. And it just felt like it after last night. Uh, Jamison Williams for the Detroit Lions asked Aaron Rodgers for his jersey. Said, I think I'm going to keep this one. I saw that, um, and at first when I saw the email, I was like, oh, is he being rude? And then I was like, oh, he, he might just be done. Yeah, it was... And the, the scenes around there, the, the, just the way him and Randall Cobb walked off that field. I, it probably might be the end for Randall Cobb. Um, his, him and Rodgers obviously best friends for sure. And it's, uh, it was tough to see that for sure and uh, seeing Rodgers walk off. Maybe for the last time at Lambeau. Maybe for the last time as an NFL quarterback. We will hey, see. Good for Randall Cobb to come back and, and have a, another season with his pal Aaron. And, you know, it obviously didn't end the way that they wanted, but... Sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, of I mean, good quarterbacks not going to be in the playoffs. And Rod- Rodgers said it in the in the post game. He's going to take his time uh, to evaluate everything. The feelings got to be mutual on both sides, sure. of course. Yeah, and uh, that that game, that fourth quarter, was a microcosm of their entire season rolled up into one. 
And uh, yeah, Detroit did it to them uh, back in November. And then they'll look back on this season and be like those two Detroit losses and be like, hmm, yeah, what could have been? 100%, especially with the one at the end, right? Yeah. Um, that's the way it goes for Aaron Rodgers to pretty much dominate the Lions for... It's only the fourth win by the Lions at Lambeau since 1991. Yeah, so he dominated them for like the entirety of his career with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. and oh, He's never been swept. He's never been picked go. off more than three times in a year by a player. Kirby Joseph, shout out. Three picks by Roger for of Rodgers this season. I'm happy the Jags got into the playoffs because I like some of these plucky teams. I wouldn't have really liked to see the Lions get oh, into I think the playoffs. Watching Dan Campbell and those Lions going to San Francisco, that would have been hilarious. But what Dan Campbell's built in Detroit, yeah. this is no longer the old Detroit Lions anymore. This is a good group. They've got a top pick at the draft this year. It's going to be, you know, it's... I can actually cheer for Geno Smith too. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, like good for Seattle. Like, you know, like where we think about it, four or five wins for Seattle this year after what happened. After they trade away the franchise quarterback yeah. and all that, and, oh, and, gonna... and they are the better team than Denver. And we want. And everybody's like, "Oh, Drew Locke's going to start. Drew Locke's going to start." No, <laughs> we're going to try Geno Smith. And Geno I love Smith, me some Drew Locke, but as Drew Locke's a backup. great, great, ba- great guy on the sideline. Great Watch that guy on that sideline. He is the biggest hype man. <laughs> um, but yeah, Geno Smith loves him some hip hop. Yes. Uh, yeah, playoffs start on Sunday. Should be a good good slate of games, of course. Super Bowl uh, culminating in Glendale, Arizona in uh, early February. Here we are, postseason. What a quick year. Just like September. Was, we just started. It blew by. It just, NFL just keeps quicker and quicker, and they add more and more games. It just keeps quicker and quicker. All right, Bills, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, Jaguars, Chiefs, Niners, Seahawks, Vikings, Giants, Buccaneers, and Cowboys. What intrigues you the most? You For know me, what? it's the Bengals and the Ravens. Obviously, yeah. I got a little bit of a rooting interest in that one. Bills-Dolphins, super interesting to me. It's that middle game on Sunday for me. It's that Giants-Vikings game. This New York Giants side, another team that nobody thought would be here. First-year coach and Brian Dayball. Daniel Jones proving the, proving the haters wrong. That guy, Vanilla Vic. Saquon Vanilla Barkley Vic. having a nice comeback here. His defense is solid. No receivers. And they do it anyways. And this Vikings team, this is a big spot for this Vikings team. Kirk Cousins trying to get his first playoff victory as a Minnesota Viking. Uh, we talk about primetime Kirk Cousins. Does 2.30 on a Sunday count if he's the only Sunday afternoon game? Yeah. I think that's primetime. That's primetime. I think that's primetime. And, uh, you know, a lot, like it's going to be – there's a lot of injuries on that offensive line for Minnesota. Hopefully they get Garrett Bradbury back. That defense has been horrendous this year as well. The Giants – they needed a 61-yard field goal of Vikings to beat the Giants earlier this year. It's a long one. About three weeks ago. They needed a 61-yarder to beat the Giants. This is going to be a battle in Minnesota. And uh, it'll be a tough environment for sure. Sure, indoors, that, that building is tough to play in. But I, that Giants-Viking game, I think that's going to be a sneaky fun one. And then the Buccaneers-Cowboys. Yeah. Sneaky intrigue. Yeah, I mean, obviously for all the, the all the intrigue with Dallas and obviously with Tom Brady here and like just the way I have not liked the way Dallas has played down the stretch here. Dak, Dak Prescott's got an interception in seven straight games. I, I, I was I don't think you can trust Dak Prescott at this time of year. They're gonna have to rely a lot on the running game with Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. Their defense is gonna have to step up as well. Micah Parsons got a little bit banged up yesterday. Up. Yesterday Saw against that. Washington. Uh, and it's like one and four on grass as well. And again, you like don't you count out touchdown Tom in January. It's just his time. Doesn't matter if the Bucks are eight and nine. They got Tom Brady. And until somebody could beat him at this time of year. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's I, you don't feel good with Dallas. Dude, That's, you don't I'm, feel good. I'm excited for the weekend. Yes. I'm really excited for the football playoffs. They're here. Um, and we hope that you're getting ready to enjoy them as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I hope you made some money on the weekend yeah. by throwing a little bit of cheddar down on some of these games. Matty, you were pretty damn good. I've had a, I had an amazing regular season. I don't want to brag, but it, <laughs> it's unprecedented well, for one under five hundred week, and it was the first week we did this. Yeah. So the NFL Big Bets is brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues, and for a limited time, better odds on over under and point spread. Build your ticket at sportsselect.com. Um, as you mentioned, uh, the regular season is in the books. Mm-hmm. We started what week five? Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't pick every game, but we've picked six games every week, and then we were off for a few, so we didn't pick some there. In the end, pretty good. Uh, George had another rough week. Uh, he he hit the Lions plus four and a half to go one and five on his picks <laughs> to finish the regular season twenty nine and forty nine. <laughs> it's not very good. I think he needs to sing a song on his own because of how bad that was. <laughs> Yeah, you're trying to. I'm trying to get. You're out trying of this. to divulge yourself from bad. this. Bad. <laughs> this is not good. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, me, I uh, also had the Lions, so I had that one right. But I also hit the Rams plus six. Mm-hmm. I hit the Giants plus thirteen and a half. I hit yep. the Bengals minus seven, and I hit the under in the Dallas game forty-one and a half as they just slogged away in that one. <laughs> uh, missed on the Jacksonville over. Uh, the Jacksonville and Tennessee over, but I went five and one on the week, forty six and thirty two on the season. Pretty good. That's silly. I feel pretty good about that. I'm gonna write home about among that. the best in Vegas around that record. Yeah, I I'm just I'm enjoying it because I know it's never gonna happen again. <laughs> that's that's all I'm. That's the only reason. Uh, and then you had a uh, three and two, three and three week. As your season, yeah. as your season is pretty much gone, just a mediocre three five hundred type. Style. Somehow you have like a random game in here, so you don't have a an even number of games. You're thirty eight and thirty nine. You have listed, which that can't be right. So we're gonna say you're five hundred. I do really poor math. There's somewhere <laughs> along the line in that spreadsheet that I might have missed. You have something. an extra game in there somehow. Okay, um, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Or, or you're missing one. I don't know. Whatever math. Nevertheless, yeah. you're right around five hundred. I finished the regular season 46 and 32, and George finishes 29 and 49. Those are NFL big bets, and they're brought to you by Sports Like. We've had a ton of fun doing these all year long. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of a side bet where the winner mm-hmm. gets to pick a fun song for the two losers to recite on air during one of our shows. Um, I think even if we add playoffs in here, I've kind of run away with this thing. Yeah, you're gonna have to go over, and like I have to pick opposite of you this week. Yeah, you you would basically have. I to, might actually pick opposite of you in every pick that you do. You'd have to go opposite and sweep. Yeah. Hmm. We'll see. We're still gonna do our picks for the playoff weekend, of course, um, because we don't want to leave you hanging. No, I wouldn't want to leave you hanging. Maybe even for the Super Bowl, we'll do some props. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then George does a show every Sunday with all of your betting. Yeah. Inf- information. I, yeah. I don't. Inside yeah, it's got lines. a lot of info from him. But his this is a lot of research. But, his, but you might not want to take his picks. No. As he has said all year long. Fade Russick. Fade Joe. Pubic. <laughs> yeah. Um, too bad we couldn't hook up with Charles. 
Yeah, I mean, I hope everything's all good. But, I hope uh, so too. Yeah, but we'll, I'll we'll look to maybe uh, tomorrow, maybe slide him into later in the show if he gets back to us, yep. or tomorrow, and uh, get right back at it because uh, it was a big weekend in the NFL. Um, but thank you very much for breaking it down. Oh, you're very welcome. Around the corner, Adam Stanley's going to join us. There was a little bit of golf over the weekend. I uh, want to mm-hmm. talk to him about uh, some live comments that have been made recently. Yeah. And mostly just like everybody leaving live. Like they've had like six high ranking executives leave in the last four or five months. That's mm. probably not good news. So we'll ask Adam about that uh, all before eight o'clock. We'll get another uh, few thoughts in on the Flames game Yep, all throughout the 8 o'clock hour as well. Some thoughts on Jacob Pelche and uh, Peter Labardius will join us right around 8.32. We got a jam-packed program as we continue live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. And home for the Flames, this is Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It's the big show in the morning. Rustic and Rose. Rustic will be back on Wednesday, perhaps. So Patty Dumas here. Yeah. G- GVP and Alex Brody in the other room, running the board for us. Uh, yesterday, the Calgary Flames, a setback, I would argue. We won, yes. 5-4. 4-3. 4-3. 5-4. Flames scoring four goals. Come on. 18th one goal loss. 4-3. Uh, they fall in overtime to the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the, apparently the Max Domi and Lucas Reichel show for the Hawks. <laughs> Somebody had to play for Great. it. Outstanding stuff. In, 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 their, in the worst reverse retros around. Uh, me and you did two shows last week. Yeah. Two programs. Um, between the first and the second show, Thursday and Friday, the NHL announced the All-Star mm-hmm, nominees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. And um, I believe what you said was... Now, hmm, I might be paraphrasing. It is your civic duty... To vote Rasmus Anderson into the All-Star festivities. Was that? Yeah, that was pretty much word for word. That was it? Yep. Yesterday? Nope. No, don't, <laughs> don't vote don't for send, it. Don't send that tape to the don't voters. Don't send that tape to the voters. No, that's not going on the reel. <laughs> um, didn't think he was outstanding yesterday. I thought nope. the top pair was... Probably their worst game. You know what? The fair. thing was, like, they press and they press and they press and they get over aggressive, yeah. and then it ends up in the back of their net. Mm-hmm. That's what happened on uh, the second the, goal, the Hannafin goal, where he pinches down low, yeah. and then Lindholm can't hold the line. Rush goes the other way. Puck ends up in the back of your net. Mm-hmm. Also, had a couple of bad changes. They had a, a tough one that led to, I believe, it was the third goal for the Hawks. There's a Blackwell second goal. They that was fell the... over each other yeah. in the corner, yeah. and then they tried to get a change in, and Zadorov mm-hmm. and Stone came out, but. For whatever reason, the gaps weren't there, and mm-hmm. it, it was a mess, and it was another goal. And then in overtime, same thing happens. Mm-hmm. Was it not a banner night uh, for those gentlemen, for sure. But at the same time, they've been better. They've continued to yeah. improve yeah. as the year has gone on. I do wonder if they're part of the group that Daryl talks about when he says, you know, been in the league for one to six years, mm-hmm. maybe didn't have the best preparation given the, the setup for this contest. Yeah. Couldn't skate Saturday and then had to travel, so you didn't have morning, et cetera, whatever. Yeah. Like, save for the, like, like, there wasn't really, the forwards I thought were definitely the better of the pair of I the like groups. two lines. Yeah. I like the back one line a lot. Yeah. I like the cottage line the top, a lot. And that's what it should be. On on nights is if if your top line's rolling and that, we know what that back line does for the Flames. Yep. It's just going to work, outwork the other team all night, and they're going to give you every chance for opportunities on that line. Um uh, Obviously, the fourth line is the fourth line, whatever. But the defense yesterday, probably one of their worst games 
of the recent time that they've been so good. Uh, disappointing for Hannafin, disappointing obviously from Rasmus Anderson. Uh, Tanev, he's like he's a plus one still, but you know, it's, sure, it, why yeah, not? Of yeah, course. sure. It's but yeah, it's just it was. You know, Zadorov and Stone t- ended up taking a, a tough minus on yeah. a couple of the changes there, right? So it's not, but it's not like it's like a oh, just one in, one of these games in in a while. No, this is a type of game that's happened quite a little bit more often than you like. Maybe not as from the play from the defense, but just. The overall style, the quick goals, the the the, the, the not the the untimely, just the, the the bad changes of late. It's just not being ready. Early being goals re- and periods, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the type of thing you're talking about. Uh, yeah. We've talked to Lou before about Raz and how one of the things that has really improved in Anderson's game this year has been the consistency. Mm-hmm. It certainly has gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday, a little blip on the radar. Yeah, that's a tough one. Now you got to bounce back though, because mm-hmm. you're still on the top pair. Yeah. Now you got to bounce bounce back in St. Louis. And that's something we'll talk to Lou about uh, when he joins us just after 8.30. Uh, we did get in contact with Charles Davis. Going to yes. join us tomorrow? Yeah, he uh, obviously he called the Giants and Eagles game the late game on CBS yesterday. He just got in from the, from his flight right, yesterday. So, yeah, he apologized. He will join us 7 a.m. tomorrow. Sounds good. We'll do that yeah. instead. Um, before we get to Adam Stanley, a little bit more post-game audio as well for you. As uh, Rasmus Anderson, the gent we were just talking about, joined Pat Steinberg for a little bit of a post-game breakdown on Flames Hawk last night. Following a 4-3 overtime loss on the road in Chicago, let's go right back to the United Center in Chicago right now, get some post-game reaction from Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson. Ras, just uh, just a thought on, on this one and how it went tonight. Um, you know, it was um, obviously a tough start. Uh, first 10, 15 minutes uh, weren't good enough. And then, um, you know, tie game, um, they scored OT winner. So, uh it was obviously a tough one, and uh, yeah, we bounced back. On a positive note, Raz, and, and I know the power play had been struggling prior to tonight's game, but you scored two, you looked really good on all three, and that, that unit that you're a part of seemed to really be creating. Tell us about what you liked and what you saw with your group's power play tonight. Yeah, obviously we talked about being better on the power play, and uh, it's nice to see us get two, and uh you know, even the third one, I thought we had really good momentum. We could have probably got another one. So uh, it was a good night for the power play. Unfortunately, we didn't get the third one there. And and just a uh, just a last one for you, Raz. Have you uh, you you've been close in overtime games? You've won a few, but it, it has been uh, at times somewhat of an issue for the group. Any idea as to why overtime has, has maybe not gone your way as much as you'd like it this year? Well, we just got to keep puck possession. Uh, you know, we have the puck to start the OT, and then. You know, it's uh, uh, they get control of it, and um, it's kind of a broken play, bad balance, and they ended up having a two-on-one slash breakaway. So, uh, you know, it was a broken play. We just, um, in OT, we just had to take care of the puck a little bit better, and um, if you don't have a good uh, shot, just, you know, pivot back and keep possession and uh, try to create some two-on-ones and uh, three-on-twos, that kind of stuff. There you go. Rasmus Anderson speaking to Steinberg yesterday on the Flames Talk post-game show. Uh, obviously disappointed with how that one went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody was because you understand going into the game that you're playing against the Chicago Blackhawks. and yep. They're the worst team in the NHL. But you get one point, and now you just got to flush it and move mm-hmm. on to St. Louis. Yeah, and, and that you look at in, in, in the, the grand scheme, it's like that point will be big. Mm-hmm. It will be. It oh, obviously yeah. will be. But it's just... 
You, you can't have another style of game like that. Against good teams, you're not going to get a point at all. Flames tentative schedule for the next four days. Practice today, 3 o'clock Mountain Time. Pre-game skate tomorrow before their game against the St. Louis Blues. That's going to be a 6 o'clock puck drop. Also Mountain Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, off day scheduled for Wednesday, and then they'll play the Blues once again. Same time on Thursday. Uh, unsure what the rest of the week will look like after that. That's the story with the Calgary Flames. Wanted to park a little bit of time here um, to just talk about the new year in the golf calendar. Right now, here in Calgary, it's not really golfing weather, unless you're going to go down to Launchpad, because I had a good time there Saturday. Weather was really nice. Yeah. Sun was setting. Oh, it was great views. But anyways, uh, as for the pros, well, it was a pretty big tournament this past weekend. And uh, we're now joined by Adam Stanley who covers the beautiful game of golf for uh, sports. Now you can find all of his uh, work online. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Thanks for taking some time, man. Happy New Year. No no worries. Happy New Year to you guys, too. Uh, always, always nice to be chatting uh, a little golf in the first week of January. Those Hawaiian views, everything, everyone just gets uh, so excited, thinking, uh, oh, okay, fine. Winter, we, we can make it. We'll be fine. We'll get through it. We can do it. I like this field because it's a tournament of champions, so it's pretty stacked. It's a small field. You kind of have a pretty good idea about who everybody is in the tournament. Just maybe a thought on this one as a kickoff for the calendar year. Yeah, I think it's, it is the, the idyllic start to the season. And I think the PGA Tour the fans, the, uh, the staffers, the organizers, et cetera, everyone's kind of recognized that and that's why you know starting in 2024 they they being the pga tour has kind of done away with uh the wraparound season uh they're going to kick start the year they're going to go back to calendar years as seasons and this is going to be the first event of the year and, and i like that a lot it's a it's a good reward for the fine play from the previous year if you win you get in uh if you get into the tour championship you get in which is how Corey Connors got into this field. So, yeah, small field, uh, big purse, incredible views. Uh, I think it's a it's a perfect way to start the season. And um, starting in 2024, it's going to be the official start to the season once again. Uh, you mentioned Corey Connors, one of the Canadians that was in the tournament. Mac Hughes, the other. Uh, Adam Svensson was also participating but didn't have himself an outstanding weekend. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes entered the tournament top five in early season FedEx Cup rankings as the third dropped a little bit, but maybe just a thought of what we could see from Connors and Hughes the rest of the season. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a great question because I think every year, you know, I do hits like this or I write kind of preview stories and we're always talking about this momentum behind Canadian golf. Certainly let's take Brooke Henderson out of it. She's in her own category. She's running the show. She's, she's, you know, the, the queen of Canadian golf, but on the men's side, you know, I talked to Mackenzie Hughes a couple of days prior to this uh, tournament of champions. And he's like, you know, we say it all the time too, you know, the, the year is looking good and then it comes to an end. And then we think, man, the next year is going to be even better. So you talk to the Canadian guys who are all on the PGA Tour right now, or you take a look at where they're at in the world rankings uh, or what they've accomplished. I mean, Adam Svensson, yeah, you're right, fine. Didn't have a great week, but, you know, he won on the PGA Tour last year in November, his first win, the RSM Classic. Mackenzie Hughes won seven weeks prior to him and uh, is the only, the fifth Canadian in PGA Tour history to have won more than once. And then, of course, Corey Connors, uh, top 35 in the world and, and kind of a staple at these big tournaments. So uh, in terms of Canadians, on the PGA Tour as it stands right now in 2023, uh, I think we've got the best collection of guys we've ever had who are all hitting their primes at pretty much the exact same time. So it could be a, a massive year 
for the men, uh, the Canadian men on the PGA Tour. Adam, talk about the uh, the actual the event yesterday at the uh, Century yeah. Tour <laughs> Tournament of Champions. John Rahm uh, with probably the least expected trophy of his career, and Colin Morikawa blowing only the ninth, becoming the ninth player to blow a six shot lead heading into the final oh. round. Oh. Three yeah. straight bogeys at one point. He bogeyed eighteen oh, for good measure. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was it was an absolutely bonkers. Like you know, you, you take your your casual sports fan listener yeah. here, maybe not even a golf fan, and you think, wait a second, what? John Rahm was back uh, nine shots by uh, over Colin Morikawa at one point in the final round. He was yeah. nine shots back of Colin Morikawa. Goes out, drops a 10 under 63 on Sunday and ends up winning by two. Now, uh, Colin Morikawa, he was, he was one under, it's not like he played like trash no. per se, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he didn't give away this tournament in terms of scoring period, but he did uh, have a tough go. And, and on a golf course like this with the wind, not really blowing, uh, you got to score and, and Colin Morikawa did not do that. John Rahm shoots a 10 under 63. Like I said, wins by two. I think this dude has gone like, 60 under par the last two times that he's played the century tournament of champions. Yeah. He was 32 under last year and didn't win last year, but uh, he shot 27 under this week uh, and won. So we're talking about notables. We talked about notable Canadians and and the kind of year they may have. You look at John Rahm, this guy is on an absolute heater to, to end 2022 and start this year. I don't think he's finished outside the top five in his last seven or eight events worldwide that DP world tour and PGA tour. So, uh, you know, you're looking at, at, at preseason odds for the, for the masters, the players, any of these big events early on in the season, John Rahm is playing exceptional golf right now. And and we saw that uh, in a big way yesterday. So I wanted to ask you about Tom Kim, uh, a guy who uh, really kind of came onto the scene late last season. President's cup became a little bit of more of a, a superstar, I would say, finishes fifth at this tournament. Can you just tell us about kind of the enigma he is and what it's like to be around? He seems to be a guy that not only media and fans like to be around, but the players really like to be around too. Yeah, kind of a, a bit of a folk hero after the the President's Cup, like you said. Um, but for all like the, the chuckles, like this dude is very, very good. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> has came out of nowhere, uh, you know, and he won the last event of the regular season on the PGA tour last year after shooting a 61 in the, in the final round. Uh, and he started that tournament with a triple bogey as well. So that kind of plays into this, uh, this, this majesty, this, this magic, this mystique of Tom Kim, because the, the very first time that uh, he really got on anyone's radar, it's because he won uh, a tournament after starting said tournament with a triple bogey and finishing it with a 61. So uh, then, of course, he has his big uh, emergence on, on a global stage at the President's Cup. And then in his first event um, after the President's Cup, he ends up winning that event as well. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, live and we talk about which kind of guys have gone over there and, and kind of some of their the superstars that they've taken. But there, there's no doubt that the pipeline on the PGA Tour is filled with guys like Tom Kim, who, you know, the fans have quickly attached themselves to. Uh, Max Homa is another one of those guys. Colin Morikawa is only 25, so he's another one of those guys. And Tom Kim, like you said about the players, he had Christmas dinner at Jordan Spieth's house, they Incredible. were saying. He had third and fourth. Uh, fourth. He was babysitting Jordan Spieth's, like, six-month-old Sammy for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, the, the guys like him, the fans like him. Um, but at the end of the day, he's very, very good and, and certainly one of those early 20s guys that, um, you know, is going to be around for a long time. 
Yeah, I just want to ask you kind of about the personalities that we uh, see in the game. Just a couple more here for Adam Stanley talking a little bit of golf here on uh, a chilly January in Calgary. But nevertheless, um, you got Tom Kim. You got guys like Max Homa who finished fourth in this tournament. You still got some of the the kind of older guard, your Rory's, your JT's, your Spieth's. But there's a lot of personality kind of coming up in the younger ranks of of the PGA right now. 100%. 100%. And, um, you know, you look at guys on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, even in, in college right now, and they're, you know, really starting to to emerge as both golfers and, and personalities. And I think, um, you know, the cool thing for, again, we're talking maybe to a casual sports fan out there, there's going to be a Netflix PGA Tour documentary that's coming out in the next month or so. Can't wait. Um, the same kind of vibe as, as Drive to Survive. I know tennis um, I, I don't pay too much attention on that side, but I know tennis is doing kind of a two-part Netflix documentary uh, as well, very comparable to the Drive to Survive thing. So, um, yeah, it was a heck of a year to have uh, Netflix falling around uh, the guys on the PGA Tour uh, and just in professional golf because they shot uh, Live Guys as well last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about personalities, you talk about a personality-driven sport. I mean, it's not like, you know, the Calgary Flames are, are a franchise. They're a team. They've got an engine behind them, and, and everyone who plays for that team is part of the team. But in professional golf, uh, it's an individualistic game. There's singular personality, and in order to become famous, for lack of a better description, you have to kind of put yourself out there a little bit more. So I think this Netflix thing is going to be great. Um, it's going to be really, really cool to see an inside-the-ropes look uh, at these guys and their lives, which we don't usually get to do. Um, and then, yeah, I think now more than ever, with Liv and, and kind of the, the threat of, of this competition and this competitive tour, uh, guys are going to come out of their shell a little bit more, which I think for fans is, is awesome. Uh, last one for you, Adam, because I know we got to let you run, but uh, it is on the Live Tour. Lately, we've seen a little bit of an exodus from some of the executives around Live. PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan called it a, a product versus product kind of battle right now. Um, and I do believe I read a story that they were thinking about just giving their TV rights uh, for free rather than charging for them. Uh, just what are we seeing with Live right now as they prepare for their upcoming season, which gets going later in February? Yeah, so that that is accurate. The it, it's going to be on. Oh man, I think it's maybe uh, Fox Sports One or something in the United States. But yeah, uh, it, they, yeah, they did not pay for that. Live is just giving it to them <laughs> because they needed a a television platform because basically nobody wanted to touch it. So you you know you're right in in some and, and quickly it's been kind of quiet on the live side of things. Uh, obviously, when their season picks back up again in a couple weeks' time. Uh, they'll be loud and, and brash, just like they always had been. But, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's going to be an interesting year into year two. Last year was a lot of, you know, who's going to go? Is someone else going to go? But now they've kind of got their guys, and they've got their schedule. And, and they we know what they are. They're, they're loud, and, and, you know, their MO is, is to be disruptive. And, and Mackenzie Hughes told me a couple days, he's like, or a couple days ago, excuse me, he said, um, you know, we know what they are. We know who's playing. It, it, the noise is not going to be as loud until their season starts up again. But, you know, we've got our guys. We've got our tournaments. Uh, we've got our schedule. And, and they've got theirs. And, and people can tune in and kind of check it out as, as much as they would like and kind of just go from there. And, and that was the overarching thought from from McKenzie was just they got their stuff. We got ours. We're going to figure it out. And, and I think that that's 
perhaps a little bit more of the the general thought now versus last year when there was a lot of kind of shiny new syndrome there. Um, but it's not going away. That's for sure. Adam, appreciate the time as always. Uh, as Liv gets going, I'm sure we'll check in and uh, I'll see what these guys are up to with all their disrupting and whatnot later in February. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thanks, guys. Take care, man. That yeah. is Adam Stanley. Yeah. A little bit of everything. Podcast, video, Twitter. One of the best that covers the game in this country. Uh, does for some sure. work for us at Sportsnet yeah. from time to time, depending on the tournaments. I couldn't ask him there because you had to go, but like I'm, just, I'm wondering, like as Liv goes, and I, I'm in the boat of wanting to see Liv succeed, and I because I want golf to succeed. I want this okay. sport to be great for everybody and accessible for everybody. I'm wondering, you know, like down the line, you know, you have the like it would have to be a schedule thing, and down the line, and obviously the relationships would have to get picked up and cleaned up and everything. But an all-star tournament, PGA versus Liv type thing, I don't know, somewhere. I don't know. Down the line, that's mm, very lofty hopes. With the way I know the way they hate each have, other, they don't get along. No, and but I mean, hey, if both can make money, yeah, I, I guess. Except, is except the problem is that the live golf tour isn't about making money. No. It's about spending money yeah. and the biggest fixing names. an image. Exactly. Like we just talked about how they're putting yeah. their sport on TV for free. For free. Yeah. They just gave their television rights away because, because they, nobody no. would buy them. Exactly. Not in North America, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Obviously, it's it's got a huge. It's got the and like you mentioned like the competition and all that type of stuff. Like I don't mind the idea of the format. But the problem is you can't compare one and the same and no, say they're all like. I get it because the PJ's ha- PJ's got a developmental system. It's got the Corn Ferry Tour, all the college and you guys want your are all stars. There. There's your Masters. The live that's what the Masters yeah, is. now. That's fair. That is completely fair because of while wow, the live guys getting welcomed into the. To, they're not going to gonna be able to play on all these PGA Tour yeah. events like the Century Open, the Century Tournament. They're going to play down in or, Scottsdale at the Waste Management. No, but yeah. the four yeah. majors, the Open, PGA Championship. The Masters, or not the PGA. We Championship. don't know about the PGA Championship because yeah, that, that is the PGA. Bit. Yeah, but the Masters, the Open, and the U.S. Open, and the U.S. Open. Hmm. Yeah, I think, and that's another like, like with Live is like this is where the all stars go to play, right? And mm-hmm. they're not developing golfers in Live Tour. You're no. developing them in the Corn Fair. You're developing them in the PGA. They play the smaller events. You guys playing in the Live. They've already played for years. They've already made their money. They're just here to make more. I understand that now. Yeah. yeah it, I get it. I just want to see the best on best. And you're going to get that with the Masters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which it's going to be that much more entertaining oh, there's this gonna, year. There's going to be like, you got to think like, oh, you can't let these Who live guys the come groups, in here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like the pairings and the groups are going to be. Rory and Phil together. <laughs> Or some of that oh type of God, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Who's the dude who kept suing everybody? Um, Pat, was it Patrick Reed? Patrick Reed, yes. Yeah, it was? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, careful. Oh, my God. Always love chatting golf with Adam Stanley, even if it's in the middle of January. Whatever. Love it. Uh, we'll take a break. Yeah. It's time for hour three. Some thoughts on the Flames. Mm-hmm. They practice today. They made a couple call-ups. We'll discuss. Okay. Uh, also wanted to let you know, Brad Living is going to be on the station later today. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you all about that. And Peter Labardi is going to join us at 8.32. 
All that ahead as we continue on your Monday. Big show in the morning. Sports at 960 The Fan.